Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today to discuss the Everton game coming up this weekend. It's a sticky toffee turning point for Fulham uh, as we look to get our season back on track. Five games in the league without a win, just the one point. Um, We're really close to being dragged into deep mid-table at the moment and we're definitely losing... Uh, losing out on the run to Europe now. So here to discuss it all with me, I have Elton. How are we going? I'm very well, thank you, Jack. Hi, Sam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Sam. Hey, family. What's the haps? (laughs) How are we going, Sammy? Yeah, good. I was a bit accosted by Easter. Um, uh, That kind of crept up on me, and I, um, my, uh, my partner, she's her dad is married to a Greek family, and I wasn't prepared for Sunday lunch to essentially take over my digestive system and a lot of my day. Way too much information. I think you could have mm-hmm. just said you're on a nature walk um, and we would have been absolutely fine with that. Oh, that um, was Paris's mum. That was a much, that was, that was a very different story. That was a much easier time than, uh, yeah, than, than the spread. Still going, Sammy. That's mm-hmm. all good. Um, we're uh, the walking wounded at the moment is uh, I'm struck down with COVID Dad, you're on the recovery path at the moment, and Sam. How I'm actually feeling lunch. I'm actually feeling great today, so I'm I'm a bit buzzy. I'm a bit buzzy. Well, good. We're here to talk about um, the Everton game coming up this weekend. It's been a bit of a rough last sort of month or so with in terms of conversations we've had on this podcast. So, kind of looking forward to um, maybe something a bit more positive, and maybe just a bit more of a conversation where we might have a, a brighter outlook. So. Um, this game happening on Saturday, so it's a 3pm kickoff in the UK, it's 10pm over here in Western Australia, it's a midnight kickoff on the east coast of Australia, and then in the US we have a 7am Pacific time kickoff, 10am Eastern time. Um, Dad, give us your thoughts on this game just from the outset, uh, looking at it. How do you think we're going to go against an Everton team who aren't exactly in the best form at the moment? Hmm. Um, and the question I ask myself is, does that matter? Is that relevant? Mm. Well, um, we've, we've proven ourselves that it definitely isn't. But I, the, the way I've been sort of thinking about this game is that I, uh, I'm i sort of not that bothered who we're playing, really. It's all on us to mm. actually turn it around because uh, unless we're playing Man City or Barca, um, you know, it, it kind of doesn't matter. The only things that may be important are, are we at home? Are we away? Uh, but really, it's completely on us to turn this round and just put in, you know, a really good fight with hopefully some uh, same dogs with different tricks. Yeah, well, I think we've been asking for a good fight for a little while now. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think we've got one. Um Recent performances have been a little bit lacklustre. Going up to Goodenson Park 
isn't a happy place for Fulham. Uh, just the one away win for Fulham uh, in the league, at least against Everton, in uh, the 31 uh, fixtures between the two teams. Sammy, how are you feeling going into this game? You know, we've been fairly positive before a lot of these games. Um, thinking back to Bournemouth, we thought we were going to trounce that game. Thinking back to West Ham, we thought we were a really good chance. Ha- has the mood changed a little bit based on the last few performances? Yeah, um, I am incredibly trepidatious with uh, any outing that we take now. Um, it'll be interesting because I it we I'd say we're pretty evenly matched with Everton. Everton. As, as a club, I have not understood them for maybe like the past four seasons. They've been wildly inconsistent, um, had a, a, some grace periods and then some utter travesties and then just in a weird kind of relegation spot. I feel like they've been in a weird relegation, like flirting with it for like the past five seasons now or something like ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I've, I'm... I, I can't I can barely call myself a pundit anymore because like I feel that the past four four podcasts we've done we've gone into the pregame very confident in our opinions and we've just been very wrong so I mean I'm to, today I will I will keep my answers a lot more politically driven well you know I think we've been po- positive and tried to remain as positive as possible uh, you know, in the, in the face of the Metro situation, I guess, if you want to call it that, and, and sort of looking at it and going, I, I think we can get out of this and I think we could potentially, you know, make something work. But it, it just feels like at the moment it's it's not clicking and we are also not making the changes to potentially make it click. So it does feel like we're just going through the motions a bit of putting the same team out there. It's not working and we're getting beaten. So I, I'm really wondering, and we'll get onto it when we talk about the potential team lineups. Um, but I'm really wondering to see if we do make that shift in this game, given that away to Everton is is not an easy place to go. Everton, you know, sitting. Uh, I think we'll have a look at the table in a little bit, but I think they're sitting level on points with uh, the teams in the relegation zone, only out of it on goal difference at the moment. So it should be a game that we're looking at as an easy win, but. Without Mitro and in our current form, uh, it's not looking too rosy at the moment. Uh, let's have a look at the last five games for both teams. Fulham Jesus. on a, a pretty terrible run at the moment. Uh, five losses in a row. We look at the West Ham 1-0, Bournemouth 2-1, Man United 3-1 in the FA Cup, the 3-0 loss to Arsenal and the 3-2 loss to Brentford. Uh, now, before those games, we had a one all draw with Wolves, which based on you know, how Wolves are playing recently, at least. It doesn't look a terrible result. And then the 1-0 victory against Brighton as well, which was a bit of a smash and grab in that game. If we have a look at Everton's last five, we have a 2-0 loss most recently to Man United, one all draw with Tottenham, a 2 all draw with Chelsea, a 1-0 win against Brentford, and a 4-0 loss to Arsenal. Pretty up and down, really. Mm. Dad, just looking through Everton's recent form, do you think there's a few things to worry about there? They you know, are losing to teams that they probably should be losing to, but they're actually putting up good fights against Brentford, Tottenham, Chelsea. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing shameful about those results in any way. Um, and look, again, you know, all of these teams have got 
a couple of good individuals who can beat you on their own in a moment on a day, particularly if you can't score goals, which uh, is our problem at the moment. And, you know, it's, it's a really desperate problem. And I, I, I just hope that um, we, we're at a point where we seem to be at the point, but I hope that the management seem to be at the point where they need to do something uh, quite different and quite creative uh, rather than just persist with the same thing and, um, you know, not, not be blamed for doing the obvious, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, we need to, we need to bleach the eyebrows. We need to get a new haircut, maybe a couple piercings. We need to like change up the entire scene at the moment because yeah, what we're doing is clearly not working. And that is, that is like, Okay, West Ham game, contentious because that was an awful display. And yeah, that was, in my mind, that was a one-all and negligence from us. But yeah, that that's, that's not a decent look for us. Like, that's too much red. That's too much red going on there. But uh, it, it is interesting, though. This It's going to be very, very fascinating to see. And I know Marcus Silva still has a touchline ban, so won't be officiating or directing, obviously directing traffic, but clearly he sets the, the strategy. He's on the blower. He's um, heavily, heavily involved in the planning for, if not the decisions on the day. And you, you just wonder, because I, I always feel that Silver's sort of demonstrated a um, a manner of making up his mind, having his game plan set out and making up his mind and he's quite reluctant to make changes uh in situ and we see that i think uh, there's reasonable evidence around that when you look at the way that he sort of plays his substitutes he hangs on quite a long time before he makes a change because i think Mm. he's so committed to his plan and he wants to back people and give them a go and and uh he doesn't i don't think he likes any any form of chaos and just pulling things out of the hat and trying them. I, I just think he's he's quite an ordered, structured guy, which I think pays dividends until it's it's not rolling for you and you've got to make changes. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he reacts because we've got to react. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And look, I think... If we look at this game from from the outset, you'd say that this, even without Mitro in the side and with the issues we're having, it's still a game that we probably should still be favourites for and it is a game that we should probably be winning as well. So it'll be really interesting to see if we do just stick with what we've always done and cross our fingers that it clicks or if we do start to see a few little changes. And I'm not just talking about changes in personnel, but I'm talking about changes in our formation, because I I can't think of a game this season where we haven't played the same formation. Mm. Um, I, I might be wrong. There there may be maybe a game against Man City or one of the games where we go a little bit more defensive. But even then, I think we've actually stuck with the same formation and in large as well the same team. So it'll be really interesting to see if we do start to make some changes because we we just have to accept that if Mitro's not in the side, we can't play that that style of football. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend. Um, 
uh, we've said that pretty much every weekend, but I feel like this might be a bit of a turning point and we might see a different system come out because of the way it's just failed so badly recently. Uh, I'm actually but, a little bit anxious that it's not going to change, actually, which is concerning. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that's that's something that we sort of discussed a little bit on the last podcast, and it's it's something worth talking about because if it doesn't change, then, I mean, what does next season look like, look like for us? If potentially losing a, a couple of key players through transfers, maybe Polina disappears, maybe Mitro gets transferred out somewhere as well. Are we going to be trying to stick to the same system as well? Or are we going to be having to adapt? And, and how do we adapt? Uh, and mm. maybe this is Mark. I'm, you know, I'm incredibly behind Marco Silva and I love everything he does. But is Silva starting to get found out a little bit because he, he might be a little bit one-dimensional? Uh, and maybe I... it's not been an issue for us previously because he's got results the whole way through. Do you know I'm what? I'm not I don't bothered. Think he... Oh, yeah, Sorry, no, Dad, you go. Oh, I was, I'm not I was bothered. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're 3,000 miles away from each other, so yeah, there's got to be a little bit of latency yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I'll go. I'm, I'm not bothered about um, the break and the end-of-season opportunity to, you know, refill <clears throat> the, um, the squad because you can have a system – and have you can be as one dimensional as you like, but if you've got excellent players and you've got depth, so that if someone's injured or they're, they're for whatever reason unavailable, you can replace them with an absolutely adequate player in that position. I've got I've got a problem. I think you can do that and you can be successful, but you if you find yourself with no Mitro and poor old Vinicius, and I just feel bad that we're dumping him and naming him as a guy who's failing in his, you know, replacement yeah, duty so poorly. It's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. It's our fault that we haven't got depth there. And I think that we can fix that problem if you're prepared to spend money and really fix it. And and it's a tough one to fix, as we've spoken about, because who wants to play second fiddle to Metro, you know, so... in, a, in a mid-table side? So I don't actually think that um, Marco Silva's one-dimensional. I think he's the pretty fantastic coach, and um, it, like pressing-wise, I think he's fantastic, and he's injected like adrenaline into Fulham. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really buying the whole one-dimensional argument. I think, I think if anybody's one-dimensional, I think it's Mitrovic, and a lot of our style is actually focused around him. Um, uh, like the amount of pointless crosses that would have always been for Mitrovic that was part of our game plan um, that was giving me an aneurysm on the weekend was nauseating to see because like bless Vinicius it, it, that's that's not how he really plays he got he got like one incredible header against Chelsea but I mean uh, that was a little pinch of magic I think to, um, yeah to sort of cut you off there though what you're saying is you're trying to say that Mitro is the one-dimensional one, but what you're saying is we keep I disagree. as if Mitro is there. That means mm. the tactics are one-dimensional because we can't adapt to the fact that Mitro is not there and we're still if he is there. So actually, mm. ac actually, you sort of agreed with my point by pointing that out and saying we kept putting in crosses even though we didn't have anyone for the crosses. Uh, and it, and it's, point of order, it Mitro means is that not we're actually not making any adaptations to to suit the situation um 
And I like I think we all agree we all like Marco Silva as a manager and we like the tactics that he plays. It's just I, I haven't seen him shift the tactic when Mitro's not in the team. And I think that's what we're wanting to see. And and I I accept that you can't have two Mitros with one of them sitting on the bench. Mm. But we've got Vinicius and he's obviously got some qualities, otherwise we wouldn't have signed him, but we're not playing to those qualities at the moment. Um, and that's where I, that's what I'm, what I mean by saying we, we're looking one dimensional at the moment is that we're not adapting the way we play for the players we've actually got out there on the pitch. Well, it's like trying another... to squeeze Polina into a, an attack or on the wing or something and just saying, well, you know, he, he should just play the system, but he, he's not a winger. So he has to play in defensive midfield. So, you know, I just feel like we're not adapting and not making the changes that seem very obvious for all of us watching the games. And I, I'd like to see Silver take a little bit of action and actually make those changes and maybe make some fairly big calls as well that he wouldn't usually make, but because of the situation we're in, I'd like to see him just be a little bit braver maybe and and be a bit more creative and courageous with some of the changes. Well, the other case is, you know, we're talking about, again, Vinny, it, it's. I think it's okay to say in the situation he's actually just not quite good enough and so therefore doesn't get a start and who's your next best player or shuffle the deck and get your best 11 on there and then set them up in a formation that does work for the, your best 11 uh, rather than, you know, trying to replace Mitro, which we're still in the mode of. Mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, we'll get onto the the potential team lineups. And I've not thrown that many weird screwballs out there, but there's there's a few discussions to be had. And I've I've made a couple of changes to what I think might or should be put out there at least. But let's have a quick look at the league table and see where we stand at the moment. Fulham currently sitting tenth, with a game in hand over Chelsea, who are level on points in eleventh. Uh, we have the slightly better goal difference, but only very slightly. Everton, as we can see here, sitting in 17th. They're on 27 points. Level on points with Nottingham Forest, but with a 10-goal better differential. Forest with that minus 30, which is, I mean, you can understand why they're up for relegation, Candice, at the moment, because having a goal difference of minus 30 is pretty terrible at this stage of the season. Mm. Um, you know, as we've sort of alluded to Fulham aren't that far off dropping into this sort of I don't think it's going to be a relegation battle but definitely this lower mid-table um, cluster where you can see Wolves and West Ham and Bournemouth starting to climb up the league a little bit at the moment and you know being basically just three wins away from up where well, on Fulham's current point total and you know we've been waiting for now five weeks for us to pick up any real points in the league and we haven't. So we, we are sort of sitting on, on our laurels a little bit from the early season successes. Um, but it's going to be really interesting because this game's very important for Everton. Um, Nottingham Forest uh, playing Man United this week. So realistically not going to pick up any points. Leicester playing Man City as well. So this is a chance for Everton to put a little bit of breathing space between themselves and the relegation zone when those bottom teams are really going to be struggling to pick up any meaningful points this weekend. If they do, it's a big upset. All of a sudden, Everton would jump to 30 points and be that one win clear of 
the relegation zone. And I know we were talking about that with West Ham last week and how important that was. And um, it just showed when West Ham did score that goal, they just completely shut down and basically defended for their lives. And um, I don't think we'd want a similar situation to happen on the weekend. Um, let's get into the team itself and how we think Fulham might line up. I've put together a bit of a lineup here, which for our live stream viewers, uh, they'll see on the screen at the moment. Um, I've gone with Leno in goal uh, across the back for, uh, I'd like to see a return for Diop in place of Tete. I think just defensively, he's going to add a little bit more. Mm. I know, um, <clears throat> sorry, Tosin, I think I said Tete. I know um, Diop is potentially not thought of as, as good of a passer as Tosin, but I think defensively we need to be sure that we're not conceding any goals because I think if we go 1-0 down to Everton, they're going to basically sit back and and try and control the game um, and, yeah, basically just try and defend that lead and part of the bus. Um, Ream and Robinson to complete out the back four. Um, defensive midfield, I've gone with Polina and then Lukic as the other defensive midfielder. I think Reed's been good, but... Uh, I don't think he adds enough creativity going forward. I think Lukic is going to give us that. Uh, a couple of times we saw him pick up the ball and just sort of drive forward a little bit more, which you don't really see from Harrison Reed. Uh, he's more defensive, I'd say, Harrison Reed. And I think in a game like this where we can look forward uh, and we should be dominating the game, I think Lukic is, is going to be one that we we should sort of be hanging our hat on here. And, you know, it might potentially be Tom Kearney as well because I think he did really well when he came on uh, against West Ham. And he's sort of seen as our creative outlet and we bring him on when we need a bit more creativity. But um, I, I just think Kenny's seen more as an impact player off the bench. And so I'd like to see Lukic play. Uh, I think we'll stick with Pereira, but I've gone for something a little bit different up front. And, um, uh, you know, I'll actually allude to Colm Bolger, who's following along on our YouTube saying Vinicius just doesn't seem to make the runs that Mitrovic does. Who do you think could be best to play in the false nine? And I, on this uh, lineup I've put together, I've actually gone with Solomon playing uh, up front. And basically there, I'm thinking he'll sit a little bit further towards the midfield, kind of as a false nine, but not quite. And I think we'll try and pick him out with runs in behind with Willian on the left and Bobby Decodover-Reed on the right. Dad, I'll, I'll throw to you first. Um to talk about actually Sam I'll, I'll throw it to you to talk about um Reed and Lukic and who you think should be starting in that position because I saw you nodding away a little bit when I mentioned Lukic there yeah um what do you what are your thoughts on on that and you know how we should handle that that change I think you understood it really really well um I really like everyone everyone here likes Harrison Reed he's 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 our energizer bunny and he he puts in 110 percent and all all the things established fans really, really like. But I think Sasa Lukic is a better long-term option. I think he's a significantly better player. Um, I know that's an unfair comparison because they're different players. But I really, really like what um, Sasa Lukic does. And uh, if it were me, I would be investing more in him actually getting established and comfortable on the side because I think long-term he has more to offer. And um, yeah, he's creative. Bless, bless Pereira, he's doing far more work than he actually needs to do. And then as a result, every time he comes off, he just looks so gassed. So to be able to add some creativity, I think that would actually shake it up really, really nicely. And also as well, other teams don't necessarily know 
fully what our dynamic is when we have Sasa Lukic in the side. When Reed's in, they know exactly how we play. And um, yeah, I think it's a better uh, plan moving forward. Dad, I'll, um, well, if you, do you want to pass comment on that as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I, yeah, I really, really like the idea of Solomon up front. We, I know it's probably not an original thought. We have talked about it before. I've heard other people talking about it. Bobby Reed has had a go um, in that false nine kind of, yeah, whatever that little. Well, well, talk really to me is. before you get onto the the strikers. Talk to me about Lukic and Reed. How do you feel about yeah, that? I um I I I don't dislike Sasa Lukic. That seems a little bit of a backhanded mm, compliment. Backhanded, and I don't I mean it like saying. that. But I I'd actually uh, I'd actually be playing Tom Kenny here. I think we need for what I think we're trying to achieve, and you know those little really creative balls through. Um, I think Tom Kenny is a high quality asset in terms of what I think we need here. And I, yeah, I'd, I'd play him. I'd start him. I I definitely agree with that. I think for me, it's a toss up between Lukic and Kenny. I, I would go with Lukic purely for I think the physicality that he adds, he's got a bit more defensive nous than Kenny does. Um, and yeah, I, I like Kenny. And I think if Everton were just going to sit back completely like we saw West Ham, I think Kenny would be a good option. But I think uh, Everton will actually come on to us a little bit more. So I'd like to see Lukic in there, breaking up the play a little bit um, and, and then adding that attacking impetus as well. Um, Dad, your thoughts, though, uh, are, like you sort of started to talk about on Solomon being our, our false nine and effectively dumping Vinicius at this point. Yeah, I'm 100% for that. No shade on Vinny. Um, but we need to spark something here. And I, I, I don't know whether Solomon has effectively ever played in this role at professional level or you know, it it sort of at for his he country. He has done a little, but not yeah. not not hugely. And I don't even care. Um, I think that Solomon and his trickery would cause very high blood pressure to most defenders. And I think you've got to give him license to run riot, to actually go and collect the ball, link up with Pereira, just be really direct, run at defenders, and just create absolute mayhem. Um, yeah, one thing, um, just kind of continuing on from that point, like one thing that you really, really like about um, that setup as like a top three, if it's well worked and um, like assuming that they're working on this for the rest of the week and the rest of the season, there has the potential to be extremely fluid um, because like Bobby can play both spots as well as um, like fill in a striker role. If um, Solomon can play a false nine, that would be like the best case scenario. But if he feels more comfortable um, on the left-hand side, he can kind of just like duck in and like William as well. He's capable on both. Um, it's been so regimented up front, the really the whole season, you could probably argue. So to have some fluidity and creativity up there 
could genuinely be really interesting. And if uh, any three keep players could actually do it. And you'd keep rotating them. Yeah. Uh, keep rotating like, them and just, would, just would, switch it up and really just have something mad going on up there. Mm. How could it be worse? How yeah, could it, could it be worse? It could really be very interesting and like really relentless as well because um, like – if you've got a one-dimensional player, like, God bless, I'm going to throw him under the bus, but um, Anthony Robinson. Anthony Robinson can only play on one side. He can only do one thing. So he's always going to be in those kind of spots. But in a situation like this with um, these three guys, that could be really, really cool. That, that would, yeah, I, I really like that. Well, I'll tell you the issue. And the issue is, and we talked about it before, the issue is if we continue to just try and cross the ball like we have been doing and we don't change the whole way the team plays, it won't work. It doesn't matter who you put up there. It's not going to work. So I, I love the idea, and I, I visualize it already, seeing Willian, Solomon, Robinson, Deckard over Reed, Tete, Pereira, passing the ball, zipping the ball around inside the box and around the edge of the box and playing these beautiful short passes and tapping the ball into the back of the net from six yards out. But if we don't, attempt to play that way it's going to be a, an epic failure similar to the epic failure against West Ham um you know we we look at I, I had a quick look and I, I might have mentioned it in the the last podcast but Robinson has one Premier League assist across his two seasons in the Premier League which is 50 odd games I think he's played in the Premier League now um and he puts in a ridiculous number of crosses slash passes into the box for for just one assist that's really poor numbers so far mm. um and it's because we we sort of are a little bit one dimensional where you just put it up for a single man's in the box um and, and you see sometimes we do try and lay the ball back but there's no one there because that's not our style of play our style of play is to find Mitro in the box to try and get him to score a header um unfortunately we don't have players streaming into the box or making smart little runs for the cutback, like the goal we saw against Bournemouth. If we play that style of football constantly, and, and I can see that, imagine obviously Vinicius was the man making the pass to start that move at Bournemouth, but imagine if Solomon and Willian and BDR are in there as well, passing the ball around slickly. They're, that's the kind of goals I expect us to be scoring. But we need to change the style of play. And if we don't, we're, we're not going to score those goals. So I, I, yeah, I love the okay. idea and I think it, it'll work, but it'll only work if we fully change the way we play football. And yep. uh, I'm a little bit wary that Silver might not make those changes. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I kind of disagree, but I, I, I understand where the concern is coming from. At the end of the day, it just comes down to faith in Silver and his creativity. I think his back's up against the wall. He's, um, I think he, I think he's tried to essentially maintain the ecosystem by putting Vinicius in the position that he has. But I would be incredibly surprised. Um, I mean, I, if you all you had to do was just watch like the hard cam on Silver for the entire West Ham game, and how just solid he looked like a toddler that just had his toy taken away from him. Like he looked so upset and mopey and just disgruntled i am I, I think he's going to make some changes i'd be very surprised well, if he does. well that that's what's so interesting here because cometh the hour sort of what what are we going to get from the man and mm. i've no doubt you know i'm not having a go at the guy but we, we haven't seen 
um, we just haven't seen a lot of dynamism. I'd love to create a system here which challenges Metro from getting a game. And, you know, you know, actually creating a system which is so effective, uh, perhaps not against every opposition, but so effective as a little weapon against the right teams who perhaps are vulnerable at the back uh, or, or, or might have a slow defence or who knows what the analysis needs to be. But to create a, a, a dual strategy that, you know, we can really believe in. It's not even that. I think mid-game you should be able to switch it up at half time and go, sure, sure. this isn't working, let's play in plan plan B. But uh, as, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, I look at the, you know, Friends of Fulham Forum all over Twitter, we're seeing a lot of people just going, where is the plan B? And, I mean, we haven't seen it this season. Mm. And we didn't need to see it last season either. But um, I'm wary that we we had such a good start to this season that we just didn't need a plan B. But going forward, as as the team gets found out, as you, you will, because, you know, opposition clubs have data analysts and performance analysts and do all the research in the world to to make sure you get wins against teams like Fulham. We're going to get found out and we do need a plan B to be able to spring surprises on the opposition because you saw what happened when Bournemouth came out. They played a terrible first half. They made changes in the second half and came out and and beat us. And we we don't have the ability and we haven't shown the ability this season to change it up completely when things aren't going our way. And I, I think that is a, is a slight worry for me. It's, it's not a massive worry because our plan A has been so good. But when you see a run of form like this where you lose five games in a row, don't pick up a point in the league. So our last point in the league was mid-February and we're in mid-April now, you, you do wonder if there is a plan B or if maybe Silver's in his in his office going, I don't know what to do. How, how are we going to solve this? Because I can't think, I can't of, I can't think of something. I'd, lo- I'd love it if it, like, that was on there, the, the welcome to Rex, some equivalent of like Fulham and just Silver going, I don't know what to do. Silver so going, uh, Pay me my wage. Why, why are we not winning games? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I, I think we all agree and believe that that's not the case. But I think we'd, as as a fan base, we'd like to see just something different, just to prove that we, we're actually trying things. Because at the moment, we're not trying things. We're putting out the same team, and mm. it's it's just not working. And so I think even if it doesn't work, the fact that Silver might make a change, well, Silver slash Boa, whoever's in charge in inverted commas. Um, I think if we saw some some sweeping changes that maybe echoed a change in system or a, a change in belief in certain players and where they can play, I think everyone would actually be quite happy with it, even if it didn't fully work out, because at least it proves that we're we're trying to turn it around and we're not just doing the same thing over and over and over. Mm. Would you be happy? Would you be happy if we put out this very side? Uh, let's twist uh, Tom Kearney into it. And we executed a plan reasonably well, but because we were rusty and not, you know, we hadn't perfected it and we got we called out lost. a few times, we lost 3 0. Would you still be happy? Or 3 0? Nah, I'm not happy. With if we 3-0. lost 3 0, no, I wouldn't be happy. 1 0, I would accept. 
Yeah, if we lost 1-0 but showed some really good signs, um, I, I'd possibly accept it. Um, I mean, and that was a very hypothetical. I mean, I, when I think about it, there's no reason why we should be so vulnerable to, to leak three goals against Everton because despite some frustrations and there have been changes, our defence, other than some momentary lapses, has not been absolutely terrible, although we have shipped hmm. 12 goals in the last five games. But, you know, they haven't been absolutely terrible, haven't looked really at sea. It's our goal-scoring opportunities that have dried up. So if we change that side of it, can we really be leaving ourselves so vulnerable to score uh, to, to leaking a lot of goals? I, I actually don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think we're changing the defensive side of things. Admittedly, it might be tweaking things in the midfield a little bit. If you look at um, you know bringing Kenny in in place of Reed, you do lose a lot of that terrier sort of player around the middle who who sweeps up a lot of the mess. And so you might be a little bit more vulnerable uh, defensively, but really it's 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 not defensively for us at the moment that's the issue. We, we, we should be winning games even if we concede one goal. We've got good enough attacking mm. players in Pereira, Deckard over Reed, Willian, um, Solomon. Like these guys should be scoring goals. Even look at someone like Wilson and Kearney as well on the bench. They should be coming off the bench and changing games for us and scoring goals, and we're not seeing that. Um, and I think again, you know what, that's I, down to, you know that's what I'd really love. You know what I'd really love to see here, Jack. I'd love to see um, what's our friend's name? Two earrings in the cottage next to Metro. God, I can't. I've forgotten his name. Oh, Cabano. Um, yeah, Cabano up up with Solomon up up front together, causing mm. absolute mayhem. How good would that be? Oh, for sure. I, I think we'd all love to see Solomon back, especially. Um, oh, Cabano. You just no, Cabano. Purely just, sorry, not Solomon. See Cabano back because uh, I think we're missing some of that flair, which is mm. basically what he adds. Yeah. Um, he He's so skillful and tricky and creative, and we're missing that creativity. Even it, it's strange because Willian is such a creative player and does create space for himself as well. But I've I've noticed in the last couple of games – he looks slow and I don't know if that's because he's getting older or just because he he's looking at it and going, well, I've got no one to put a ball into the box for well, anyway. I was so. about to say, yeah. I was about to say the, the, in the end, you just can't do it all on your own. And, and you previously he'd, someone... he'd know that all he needs to do is chuck the ball into the box and someone's probably going to be there to, yeah. to head the ball in. But now he's looking at it and going, Oh, there's actually no one there. So, I can create some space myself, but what's the space even for? Um, mm. which is, it's got to be yeah. enough space to have a shot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, a, a little comment here from Colin Bolger following along on the YouTube live stream. Hmm. Uh, is this silver showing the Khans we need more new players who can play different styles? Khans um, got good hot takes. Look, I, I think it's it's something that managers have done in the past. It's something that... I think Silver has potentially done previously with Fulham when we're in the championships, showing that you know the team wasn't ready for the Premier League. Um, it, it's possible, but again, I I think um, pretty high risk strategy. It is high risk. I think because we're sort of safe, you could potentially take the risk. Um, but I think we're also the only thing that Silver, the only message Silver, I think, would be sending here is we need another Mitro. 
because we're, mm-hmm. we're playing a style without Mitro and the only message he could possibly be sending is we don't have a target man for when Mitro is not there. So it's not saying we need quality all around the park to win games. It's that we need one player in a Mitro mold. Um, Cause if he was trying to play a different style and it just wasn't working because we didn't have the quality, then potentially he's getting that message across. But I think based on just popping crosses into the box to absolutely no one, it it might be a message that we're missing a centre forward as a backup, a decent one, and we need to spend money on it. But it's a risky old message to be sending, I think. Is it mean? Is it mean to essentially kind of maybe maybe say that we've kind of struggled in the last couple of games with just a bit of a lack of trust now that Mitrovic has kind of been nullified and with this with the way that this team actually looks I think that could actually restore a lot of trust up front because if it look if Williams options at Solomon Decadover Reed and Pereira all like hanging around there I think that I don't know, creates a bit more confidence going forward. And like, because confidence is a really, really big part of this. And if you've got a team that's very kind of um, uh, reluctant to pass to certain players, it just stagnates momentum and vice versa. If you trust everybody and think everybody's capable, you open yourselves up a lot more. I don't know. Is that, is that mean? Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. I think I think the one thing that's sort of glaringly obvious at the moment is that everyone's sort of searching for for answers at the moment, and mm. we're not really we we don't really have any, um, which is I think slightly worrying. And I, I do sort of agree with Calm in the fact that we there does need to be a message to the Khan saying next season if you want to continue. Um, with the form we've had and the form we've seen in the first half of the season, we do need to invest. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how, how that pans out in the summer. And I, I think everyone's actually kind of ready and waiting to get to summer now. Um, one thing for okay. you, at least, Sammy, William does I've, agree with you. I've Will's I've, always got my back. I love Will. Will, thank you for your time and patience. Your I've got this. Uh, I've got this crazy image of end of season and uh, Tony Khan walks into Silver's office um, when they're talking about uh, new signings and he's got four ex-wrestlers. He's going, what about these guys? I was about to say, that's literally just taken out of SmackDown right there. That was essentially writing. Like, like I can literally, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope not, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, I just hope we, we conduct our business a little bit quicker than we have done in the past, but we'll we'll wait and see uh, if that's a reality or not. Do you know what would be even quick... better? Do you know it would be even better if there was just kind of like a a, uh, a Tony Khan just being like, "Wait till we've got in store," and then there's just a slow pan and just like pull up to Zinedine, uh, not Zinedine, yeah, Zinedine Zidane. Why not? Like just just the old guard just coming through or just something random like that. That'd be great. I was going to say Zlatan, but then I went for Zinedine. Roll off the time, but it still works. Jack, you've got another bit. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, let's have a look at the potential Everton lineup. Um, Everton have a couple of injury worries at the moment. Andros Townsend still out with an injury. Um, they're also missing Calvert Lewin up front as well, who admittedly hasn't had a great season so far, but is obviously w- would usually be a regular starter for Everton. Um, 
But, I mean, looking at this team, uh, not a bad side at all. We saw um, Mope almost came across to to Fulham in the summer transfer window, I believe, but uh, obviously decided to join Everton. Iwobi, a really solid player on the right wing. Um, Idrissa Garner Gay in midfield for them. Very good midfielder. Some really good defenders as well in Keenan Tarkowski at, uh, at the two centre-backs and Seamus Coleman, obviously, with, uh, you know, a lot of Premier League experience under his belt. And we know about Jordan Pickford in goal. I've got the wrong picture on the live stream here. I've got Fabianski still in there. But Jordan Pickford, a very solid goalkeeper as well, um, and was the difference between the two sides when they met earlier in the season, making that a very, very good point-blank save from from Mitchell, I think it was. Um, but there is a bit of a lack of uh, real leadership, I'd say, from this team. Uh, there's no really senior players, and you get that when you're missing Townsend and Calvert-Lewin, who would usually be the two sort of leading through the the attacking third, if you will. Um, Damari Gray up front for them is very young. Um, McNeil as well is a young player. Um, they're just missing uh, a little bit of leadership, I think. Uh, and it's probably a big reason as to why they aren't doing quite as well this season is, is just um, the lack of cohesion and it's just not really sticking for Everton. And, you know, as people say... Um, a lot of people say these sides are too good to go down, but at the end of the day, they're not getting the results together and they don't look like getting results either most of the time. Um, Sammy, your thoughts on this Everton side? Yeah, um, you missed out Connor Cody as well. I was quite surprised that you didn't um, include him because he's um, been starting pretty regularly. Yeah, look, they're, they're all right. Um, I remember last time we played them, they had some pretty good attacking pressure and like they had some creativity. I think you are right. I think they are kind of like... Um, missing a bit of like a metaphorical anchor, like somebody who can essentially just bark orders all game, kind of do like a bit of a Jordan Henderson and just yell at everybody the entire game. Pickford can kind of do that, but it's always a little bit... I feel I feel that you do kind of like miss something when your main person doing that is from uh, the back. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I will treat all of the um, bottom half of the table sides with the utmost respect and dignity because I've been burned by them in the past couple of weeks. So look, we, we got to take this game as seriously as possible. Um, hey, look, we're at, is it fair to say we're kind of at a bit of a rock bottom for like this season? So hopefully this is the upward trajectory. Um, look, of course we can give them a good game. We're a good side. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Dad, your thoughts? Like I said before, to me, you can you can kind of roll out whoever you like um, against Fulham on Saturday. Uh, the bigger issue, probably bigger influencing factors, are we away or are we at home? But it's all on us to turn it around, as we've been discussing for for the last sort of um, you know twenty minutes. Yeah, 46. definitely. Um, yeah, 46. Um, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, another question coming on the live stream from Colin Bolger here. Sammy, would putting Solomon up top with Vinicius in a front two help the team going forward? And what would the impact be on Pereira's involvement? Can I, I don't like... That? Oh, go on. Uh, no, go I'll Sammy. go Sammy first and then and then yourself. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a tactician, really. I just come here because I'm the handsome one. 
But uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of two up front, um, especially in the Premier League where um, yeah, your right and left backs are so heavily used in attacking um, pieces that it. I I, I feel that um, if you stick to up front you kind of like lose a bit more across the park also i don't really feel that um i feel that solomon can add to vinicius i'm not really i really like vinicius i don't really want to slag him off because i like i i really i really i really like the guy um but yeah i'm not really sure how much vinicius adds to say solomon's game you could argue like hold up play and maybe being a bit of a i don't know like a bully for him so he but essentially he doesn't get roughed around but i why why have a bodyguard situation when we can kind of establish something new and creative in my opinion i i don't think it's the worst idea dad you your thoughts um I, i'm no this is the moment where i cease to continue to apologize for constructively criticizing Vinny because I think everyone knows I, I I don't hate on the guy at all. Shall we send him but something? He's... Should we send him like a basket? Yeah, like... can we can, yeah like a I don't know like a little post Easter basket or something like that. Uh, I'm Maybe sorry with... for constantly saying you're not good enough basket. I will send yeah. you a kind of surprise. Yeah. Yep, I like that. Um but the reason why I want Solomon up front or something equivalent is because he isn't good enough right now. And he's certainly not individually good enough to lift and change the, our fortunes. So he goes as far as I'm concerned. And the other thing I don't like about Vinny as part of two up front is that I, I, I wouldn't actually want to give uh, Robinson and to a lesser degree Tete something to even aim at mm. and kind of fall back to that, strategy you know um when when they can't quite see they they don't have vision of the movement or they can't see a way through they revert to just sticking one in and hoping Vinny is a big strong boy can get on the end of it you, you say that but we saw even with Deckard over Reed up front you saw that we still tried to play balls into him as if he was Mitro and so I, I worry that oh. even if you put um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Jack, if if we do that, if we actually put Solomon all of about three foot nine up front and try and do that, that's just madness, right? No, that's I'm insanity. Totally agree. I'm all for having that's Vinicius insanity. there as maybe like a step ladder, so like he can just ricochet off um, Vinicius. That could that could be something. No, I, I think I, I think uh, he should organise Thursday night players' tea and maybe the music. Um, but, it's getting pretty brutal now. Oh, Mate, you're going to have to send a basket of roses with that Easter hamper with the way that you're speaking about young Carlos. Uh, no, that, that's, that was that, mean. That, that, was, that was mean. Yeah. That was mean. Uh, take it <laughs> yeah. back. I take it back. He looks like a lovely fella. That Kinder Surprise has been upgraded to a cream egg just based off of the past <laughs> two minutes of talking. Let, let's... Let's uh, move on and take a look at some latest news as well that's dropped in the kind of in the last few days, maybe hours, not quite hours, but almost the last sort of 24 hours or so. Um, first thing to take a look at the season tickets have recently been released for the Riverside stand. Um, a lot of contention here because 
if we look at the prices, and sorry that it's a little bit small for those following along live, but um, the platinum upper and lower sections, I look at the platinum upper section, £3,000 for a season ticket in there. Now, um, end season tickets looking at sort of 650 from memory for those renewing. Um, £3,000. Now, I think it's, it's a little bit contentious because I think a lot of people were expecting them to be quite high and some people have actually commented that they thought they'd be higher but the one thing that i can see here is these season tickets are not for your regular fan these are mm. you know platinum upper and lower we're talking about your i guess extremely rich fans firstly but also that it looks like the kind of ticket that maybe a corporate might take on Take on your season ticket and and be able to bring people to the beautiful new Riverside stand with all the hospitality options that are going to be available when it's fully opened. But three thousand pounds for a season ticket is exceptionally expensive, in, in my opinion, at least. Um, assuming that you have the nineteen Premier League games at home during the season and maybe a handful of other games, you're effectively looking at one hundred and sixty pounds per ticket per game um, for your £3,000 there. Um, I, I know, you know, we live in Australia. Sport's a little bit different over here, but AFL season tickets here I think are sort of in the five $500 region for even your high-end ones. I think for £3,000, you'd be basically locking yourself in for a box at most stadiums at this stage. Um, mm. Dad, your thoughts on, I guess the direction Fulham seem to be going in here where it's, it definitely looks more like a corporate style ticket option or, or your sort of touristy kind of ticket options. Yeah. I don't like it at all. I don't like the direction. Um, I don't like the idea of Fulham competing with Madame Tussauds and the West end for a, uh, you know, a weekend in London. What shall we do? Um, it's it's dumb. If you want to create <clears throat> corporate, then do it properly. Actually lay on some great food and beverage, not just a slightly padded seat in a pretty stadium. Do, do it properly. I, I don't know. Maybe you can um, educate me here, Jack, but, but I don't know whether current whether there's a current backlog for getting a season ticket at Fulham, you know, in, in Johnny Haynes and Putney and, and the, 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 the hammy end. Because if, if, if there is a problem getting tickets in those areas, then doing this in the Riverside is a bloody travesty, you know, and uh, I don't, I don't like the way this is going because surely Surely we can all agree that in full voice, yep, the atmosphere is good at Fulham, but we we can easily be outsung. And why actually, you know, demotivate people even more, you know, solid fans who actually do want to come along, bring their families and just bring more than one person. Um, that's just I mean, I clearly not aimed at mums and dads at three thousand um, pounds, but yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't. I don't think that if if this was a sixty thousand seater ground, 
and we had 2,000 seats of that level, I'd go, nice option, excellent. You know, what's the caviar like? Um, mm. But but it, it doesn't seem like a decent enough spread for what we're, we, we, we should be trying to do here. Um, if you look at Brentford um, and what they're doing, I think, I think there's a moratorium, not a moratorium, but a but a, a cap on season ticket prices. They're trying to go the other way and encourage more fans to be involved and make it more affordable for them. Um, and we seem to be trying to do something quite opposite to that. Yeah, well, I was going to say um, Tottenham recently announced that they were freezing season ticket prices. Um, as Steve Reynolds, um, friend of the show, uh, comments here this is corporate johnny haynes seats are up 18 percent. brentford have a price freeze tottenham have a price freeze as well paying 90 euros for tonight's match at real madrid steve mm. uh, on his little trip there and a comment coming in here from colm as well it's probably the expected amount if we're honest but the people that used to sit in the riverside stand can feel hard done by though the noise from the stand will still be quiet um mm. i did see someone on twitter saying that um his seat now was that he previously had in the Riverside stand was effectively, he's been completely priced out of it. Um, I think previously he was saying he was paying about 500 pounds for it. And now it's up at 1500. Um, and there's also the fact that if you look at the, the map here, the gold upper, well, the gold, a gold seat just above platinum upper is 1500 pounds for the season. Whereas platinum upper is 3000 pounds for the season. Um, you can literally be sitting one row higher than someone and be paying half price. Um, just while we were talking there, I had a quick look just for some comparison to see what it's like overseas and um, having a look at what the West Coast Eagles, who are an AFL team over here in Australia, um, they charge for their effectively a season ticket. So um, this is a reserved seat for all of the home games during the season plus uh a grand final uh, guaranteed ticket as well, um, which if those who don't understand AFL, but once you finish the regular season, you go through finals and uh, have a grand final at the end of the season, which is uh, expensive tickets, but um, fairly so and played over in Melbourne. Um, you also get priority access to the members bar um, and a few other perks as well. The cost for that is $850 which roughly comes out at um, about £450. Um, so comparison-wise, it it just looks like it's – it feels like a bit of a money grab. Um, these numbers look like we're just trying to get as much in as possible, and I, I haven't done the calculations and looked really closely to count exactly how many seats are there in those platinum upper, but roughly it looks like a sort of 10 by 10 area, so looking at – 100 seats at £3,000 a seat. Uh, that's, you know, 300000 on each side. You're looking at probably a million pounds coming in just from selling those tiny little white sections on that Riverside um, stand map. It's, hmm. it's pretty extortionate, if I have to pick a word for it. No, just feels fantastic. like for those people who, you know, may have been sitting in the Riverside stand for 30, 40 years... Um, having their seat effectively ripped away from them and given to someone who maybe doesn't care quite as much about Fulham as they always have and always will, um, 
for a club that calls itself a family club, it it feels it feels wrong, it feels a little dirty, um, and I, I think a lot of people just aren't overly happy about it. Um, comments coming in on the live as well. Colin Bolger says we also have to remember the stand is still not finished. Um, it's incredibly true there. The, the stand uh, they said won't be finished. I think till midway through next season or potentially even the end of next season. Um, and another comment here from Steve Reynolds as well. Just worked out I can fly to Perth, then Melbourne and Sydney times two for the top cost. See you next year, boys. Um, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, the the cost of living crisis, especially in the UK, is um, is very real at the moment. And, you know, people have to be careful about what they spend their money on. And £3,000 is it goes a long way. So can totally understand the frustration that people have. Um, and I think it's something that the Fulham Supporters Trust are definitely raising. I know they put out a statement saying they were unhappy with the prices. So be interesting to see uh, how Fulham respond to that with the uh, other season tickets becoming available, I believe, at the start of May. Um, a slightly brighter bit of news. Fulham have been, well, selected, I was going to say. Uh, I did see that Fulham actually got drafted into this Premier League summer series in place of Leeds, based on the fact that Leeds are currently struggling to stay in the Premier League. <laughs> Fulham, um, they've basically said Fulham are more likely to stay up at the moment and therefore have been picked to come across to the USA for the Premier League Summer Series. So that's happening between July the 22nd and July the 30th. Uh, it'll see Aston Villa, Brentford, uh, Brighton, Chelsea, Fulham and Newcastle play in five different cities, nine matches. And uh, we'll have a quick look at Fulham's matches. We have Fulham against Brentford on the 23rd of July. Uh, that's being played at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Fulham play Aston Villa on the 26th of July at Exploria Stadium in Orlando and then finish up with a game against Chelsea on the 30th of July at FedEx Field Landover in Maryland. Um, Dad, pre-season fixtures have always been uh, an interesting one for Fulham. It's it's a real mixed match. We often find ourselves going to Portugal and playing some lower league teams. We don't often see Fulham play three what you could class as fairly highly, uh, highly class fixtures um, against you know decent teams and and teams we're going to be coming up against during the season as well. Do you think this is maybe going to give us a bit of an edge going into next season? The fact that we might be slightly more prepared, having played some better quality teams. Oh, look, I think there's no guarantees that um, any of these sides are going to take full squads out there, but I I don't think that matters. I think it's it's a nice showcase. It's it's a, it's a great thing for American fans to enjoy, and particularly American Fulham fans in this particular case, because I guess many of them would never have been to the cottage and would never have an opportunity to see Fulham live. And even if there are three or four of our very best stars missing, it's still Fulham. It's still the team. Uh, we've had that experience, Jack. We went and watched Fulham play here locally, and it's a it's mm. a great, great experience. I mean, we were even more fortunate, I have to say, because Fulham played in a very, very small arena where you could literally lean over, you know, the 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 gantry and touch people's heads as they walked through. Um, and and so I, I'm sure these will be pretty big stadiums they'll play at. But I, I think it's. Um, 
I think it's a lovely thing for overseas fans to enjoy. And um, I guess it showcases the game a little bit more in the US. And, and uh, so that's a good thing as well. But um, I, I'm not sure how much this really contributes towards serious preparation for the Premier League season. I mean, it's it, it, there's still serious games and there'd be some pride at stake and you wouldn't want to lose them. So whatever squad you had would be trying their very best to make a fist of it, no doubt. But it's 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 not like a true at home on English soil Premier League friendly, you know, pride sure. of the season. What I would say though is even if Chelsea, for example, put out a fully rotated eleven from their best eleven, that would still mm. be a fairly decent challenge for most Fulham teams because you come up against sure. some young stars trying to um, prove themselves. And, Sammy, I'll, I'll pose to you the question that Williams asked here as well. Would it be a good chance to take some of the younger players over for a run and, I guess, give them a bit more of a run out in pre-season against some, um, you know, similar standard teams that we'll be playing against? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think I think that's more or less like what these pre-seasons are actually for i mean it's to establish the chemistry that works but it's also an opportunity to give players a bit of a run out when they wouldn't necessarily have it in the premier league slash like the premier league you can't like you have to be you have to be having a great season and you have to be quite a top club to actually realistically blood players properly and even the top squads they use things like the fa cup and champions league and like the early stages in europa league to actually give like their younger players a bit more of an opportunity. So yeah, no, it's a great opportunity for us. Like I'd love to see like Harrison Alblade out there and Stansfield as well. I'm excited for Stansfield to come back. So yeah, no, it's a great opportunity for him. Just, just on that, if I may, uh, just spark the thought when we were talking about a possible lineup, I wouldn't hate to see Luke Harris being given some serious minutes or even a start uh, on the weekend and, and for us to try and find, a formation that works with him as well. I'd lo- I'd love that. I think it's it's definitely worth um, worth considering. Um, I, I don't see why not. Um, but yeah, I, I'd I'd be interested. Uh, in, in a little question in here from Steve: How many teams do an Oz tour? It's interesting. Um, quite a few have actually come out. Mm. Uh, in the last few years, I believe uh, Tottenham and West Ham just announced that they're coming out as well this this year. They're actually playing in Perth uh, in around the same time, I think June, July. So um, we have a couple of teams come out every year. We've had the big names as well. Liverpool, Man United come out recently. Uh, Man City came out a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely, I mentioned to Dad as well the other day, I was crossing my fingers that um, Fulham having sort of locked down Premier League for another season would actually consider coming out to to Australia again. But unfortunately, over to the US. But, you know, we've got a really massive um, US following and, um, you know, a big, big number of our actual listeners to the podcast as well are based over in the US. So I'm, I'm genuinely really excited for our US fans because, you know, like, like you mentioned, Dad, we got to experience Fulham coming over to Australia and how exciting that was because, you know, being Fulham fans, I think they came over, it was 2009-10 season, so about 2009. We'd been moved back to Australia for three years at that point. Hadn't been able to get to the cottage for a long time. 
missing that connection with Fulham and being able to see them in person, even if it was just a friendly game and it wasn't the full team that was out there. Um, it's just an experience that uh, you, you're just thankful for. And I think it'll be really exciting for all those American fans who have followed Fulham but have never actually been able to see Fulham play live to be able to see them and also to be able to see them play Brentford and Chelsea, two local rivalries. Uh, it's another chance for us to get one up on those two as well and, and potentially get some results that give us you know, a bit of positivity around the camp before the season starts. So, um, look, I, th- I think it's good. I think it's always great when um, you go on a pre-season tour somewhere and I think it's going to be really exciting to see how this one affects our season going forward as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for those those US fans who get to watch Fulham play live, especially those who've never seen them before. Um, look, guys, I think we're almost ready to finish, but we have our final segment for the podcast and we've picked a name. Well, Sam's picked a name. Uh, Cottage Cheese. Sam doesn't make much sense, but neither does the quiz. So why don't you uh, kick us off and tell us what you've got us in for this week? We've rebranded. It's Cottage Cheese times. It sounds as dirty as it is um, creatively exploratory. That sounds weird. Let's go. So um, I, I, I'll, I'll full disclosure. When we initially started our pre-podcast banter i didn't have something but i got so excited for the name cottage cheese i couldn't help myself so today um now this is going to be very contentious because it's going to come down to your opinion of the certain artifact that i have in the pipeline so today today of all things to compare fallen players to we're doing condiments, which is something that I've wanted to do for a while. So this is going to be very dependent on your opinion of said condiment, because I was trying to think what is the best condiment and what's the worst condiment, but it actually is a lot more open-ended. So without further ado, it's cottage cheese time. Sign me up, Radio 1. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Tabasco. Kenny Tete or Jao Palina? Kenny Tete. Mm. He's a bit spicy. Yeah, but Jao Paulina is from Portugal. That's about as spicy as it gets without being South American. No. Jao's too strong for Tabasco. Oh, see, but like... Jao's more piri-piri. Jao for me is like vinegary. You know, he's like vinegary with a bite. So like, I, th- I, think, I think he is Tabasco in my humble opinion. Dad, you were, you were saying peri-peri. You can keep going. No, 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 I think Jao's peri peri. I, I think Kenny, Kenny's spicy. I think he's just a spicy character, I think. A bit yeah, cheeky. He's got, some, he's got some sass, I'll give you that. All right, okay. Yeah. Ketchup, Sasa Lukic, or Issa Diop? I'll be honest, I don't even know how I feel about this one. <laughs> but I do like ketchup, but ketchup makes me feel like, ketchup makes me feel like warm. It's very kind of like, it's very kind of grounding. So I'm going to go for Diop as a result of that. My girlfriend always um, hates on me for having a really bland palate, and ketchup is a part of that. So, yeah, for me, I'm going Issa Diop with ketchup. Uh, I'll go Diop because I think he's um, tried and tested. He's Ketchup is a solid condiment to chuck on your plate, and I'd, I'd chuck Diop in there nice and solid. As much as I love ketchup, it's kind of the condiment for 
when you don't really you haven't got a lot of broad experience of different cuisines but you just want something on it yeah. and i can imagine i can imagine um uh yeah i think uh i can imagine sasa lukic and uh and mitro sharing a pizza and just adding a bit of extra tomato sauce on it it is funny as well because americans don't like uh i was going to swear that uh americans don't um they don't really like ketchup it's a bit of a it's a bit of a thing for them. They're they're a bit weird. Like they like mustard. Like mustard is their go to. They don't like ketchup. Um, so yeah, it's very it's very dependent on where you are and where you come from. So with mustard in mind, um, Bobby Decker Dover Reed or Tom Canny, tell me how mustard relates to either of the two on cottage cheese. Go again, sorry. Mustard. We'll make it American mustard. I feel that English mm. mustard's a lot more divisive. So American mustard, something you put on your hot dog. Um, Tom Kenny or Bobby Deckard over Reed. Um I think uh I think so Bobby Bobby uh I don't know how that'll go on Bobby's beans, you know, because he's gonna love beans. Um and um <laughs> How did beans get in the equation? I mean, I know this is a ridiculous. This is a ridiculous well, beans, Q&A, beans, but... beans is a very West Indian based. Oh, okay, no, food. yeah, okay. So I thought right. I thought you were talking about baked beans. I didn't think you were talking about traditional beans. I thought you were talking about Heinz. I can imagine. I can imagine uh, Bobby enjoying like a, a margarita with mustard around the edge or something really weird like that as well. Oh, I want that now. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go for that. I'll, I'll I'll go with Bobby as well. I think the uh, the West Indian vibe has a bit more spice than Tom Kenny is from Nottingham. I don't think um, Nottingham is known for its mustard. I mean, my biggest takeaway from that section is I want a mustard margarita. Apparently, um, uh, vinegar. This is this is a bit of a mean one because I'm not a huge fan of vinegar on my chips and such. So. Um, uh, I'm going Robinson or Reed on this one. I think I'm going to have to put Robinson in vinegar, but I'd be interested to hear your takes and your opinion on vinegar as a condiment. Uh, I'd go um, Harrison Reed. I think vinegar's got some bite. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. And it's a good cleaning byproduct as well. So um, <laughs> that's what Reed does. He mops up. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. Um Jeez, uh, I can I, I can imagine like, Anthony I can imagine Anthony Robinson sitting on 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 an English seaside beach with a chip butty and um, and some yeah and some and some uh, um, what is it vinegar yeah I can imagine some vinegar there. Okay, and finally, and finally. Um, and again, this is very dependent on how you feel about it because I personally really like it. Worcestershire sauce, Solomon or Leno? Worcestershire sauce. How do you feel um, about Leno? Going Leno. I think Worcestershire sauce sits in a dish really nicely and is often underappreciated. I think Leno Ooh, sits in the 11. Good. He does a really good job and adds adds something. You don't know what, and then you step back and go, oh, you look closer and you say, oh, yeah, it's it's Leno. He's the one. He's Mate, winning us all the points. You are way more conservative <laughs> with your Worcester sauce than I am. I am drenching stuff in Worcester sauce. Like, uh, no, so I, I'm going I, to Solomon. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. I, um, I, I, I see Leno 
uh, with Worcester, Worcestershire sauce for different reasons. I think um, I think he's a man of um, some culinary class. Actually, I think he's quite into his food. I reckon he's probably a bit of a foodie. Where is and, this coming from? <laughs> Where is this I think he's from? nothing like the stereotype we've we've put on him. No, I think he's over... I think he's a bit of a foodie, and I can yeah. imagine him actually finding oysters delectable. And oysters Kilpatrick is probably. Mm probably something he'd enjoy and i reckon if if as a as a pre-dinner drink bloody mary probably uh would be of interest while he's reading a copy of wuthering heights and just is like sitting back with like a pipe or something like a man of culture i I like that that. no i like that yeah i'm still sticking with my um uh solomon and worcester sauce because i just want to drench everything in manor solomon that sounded weird and that's the segment thank you for coming to cottage cheese good job sammy that was uh uh, it's it's slowly but surely getting better i think that's all we that's all we want just like fulham that's all we want we just want to see us slowly but surely get better week on week um Everyone loves every. Sorry, I'm just looking at the comments right now. Everyone really, really gets behind Bert Leno's jaw, don't they? It's a yeah, it's really a, do. Yeah, I'm happy for that. Uh, so, look, guys, we're uh, we're coming to the end now. It's been a long one, but as always, there's been a lot to discuss. Um, I'll, I'll chuck in a cheeky comment here from Steve. Uh, can I thank <laughs> Jack for the bets? The amount I should lose will buy me a riverside seat. Um, Please gamble responsibly. Note, note, we've taken the bets out this week, gamble responsibly. Um, but, yeah, I think you're going to need more than just my bets to uh, to uh, afford one of those seats, Steve. But uh, fingers crossed you get to the cottage soon. I will um, actually say I missed my opportunity to say Solomon um, in the striker position. Please gamble responsibly. But I'll just pop that in now. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Um Look, guys, uh, really looking forward to this game as always. But I think, like I said, this might be a bit of a turning point for us. So really interested to see if we do make some sweeping changes or not. Uh, It's going to be, yeah, an interesting weekend for Fulham, I think. And I think there's going to be a lot of questions starting to get asked if we don't get a result in this game. So definitely one to watch. Uh, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I don't know how we're going to go on the weekend, but I think I'm going to be heavily drinking. So that like my friend's opening a bar. So hopefully that will get me through however this weekend goes. <laughs> and Dad, thank you very much. I think Sam's explanations um, of what he's going to be doing every weekend is about as predictable as <laughs> our, our goes at picking a lineup, and uh, uh, yeah, been uh, slightly more <laughs> exciting as well than the last few uh, results for us. So, um, and as Colm says on our live stream, this is much better than what I thought it was going to be. Um, what does can... that? What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I think we can cross our fingers that Fulham's performance this weekend is better than we thought it was going to be as well. So. Look, guys, with that, we'll finish up. And uh, like I said, really looking forward to this weekend. And a big thank you to everyone who's joined along on the live stream today. Uh, it's been great to to comment along with all of you and uh, really appreciative of everyone who continues to listen along, continues to subscribe and uh, continues to get engaged with us. We really appreciate it. So until next time, come on, you whites. <laughs>